Well, church, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, and that's where we're going to pick up this morning as we continue in our study that we've called Identified and the purpose behind this study. Uh, Paul really lays out such an awesome, comprehensive look at the first three chapters of what we've covered and what we'll be wrapping up this morning is who we are in Christ, our position in Christ. If you are a believer in Jesus this morning, if you put your faith in Christ, then he, we are in Him. You are in Him. That is your position in Christ. And so the second half of what we'll be getting into starting next week um, is what we do in light of that position. What we do in light of that position, how we are incorporated into that position, and how we are, uh, how we uh, participate in that position. And so um, this morning, man, I just, I'm so glad that you're here. And if you don't know me, my name is Jake. I'm one of the uh, elders and pastors at this church. And uh, man, I'm so glad that you're here. You know, I, I just constantly think every time that I walk into this cafeteria, I think to myself that you could be a lot of different places doing a lot of different things this morning, but you chose to be here. And you chose to be here with us, and I am so unbelievably thankful for that. And I truly believe that every moment that we spend together leaning into the Word of God can be a profound moment if we, we allow ourselves to, to just humble ourselves underneath the Word of God this morning and allow it to just speak over us, speak into us, challenge us, confront us, convict us, and hopefully empower us to move forward in what God has for us. And so, like I said, this morning we are going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, last week, Brother Garen uh, preached on verses 1 through 7. And so this morning we are going to finish up chapter 3, um, picking up in verse 8. And so you can turn there and kind of have your finger there. And, uh, you know, really what this study has been about, and especially in these first three chapters, it has been about recognizing, just a reminder, you can mute your... Uh, Mute your cell phones. If my mind just went off, that was a great reminder. If you want to, I'm surprised I even have service in here. It's like a black hole when we get into this place. But um, so you know, this 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 text has been kind of a reminder for us. It's been a reminder of our who our source should be, and how that source supplies its power. Okay, how, who that source should be and how that source supplies its power. And so, you know, as I was preparing for this and just getting, getting kind of in the, the mindset of this power and, and the source and how, how that works, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a techie and, and I like tech stuff. And, and so I don't know if you guys have ever, uh, if, if you have either of these two things right here, if you bought Apple products or anything like that, you probably do. Um, but, you know, they look a little different, these two things, but they also function a little different. I don't know if you know this, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm giving like a Best Buy employee seminar or anything like that, but like these, these things function very differently. And so for me, you know, I use my iPad a lot. Uh, I use it for a lot of different things, whether it's for reading or, or doing my sermon notes and, and just studying and that type of thing. I use it for tons of different things. And the more I use it, the more obviously that I drain it. And so the battery's low. And so... You know, there have been plenty of times where, you know, I don't know about you, but you're scrounging and you're just searching everywhere for a charger, right? You're looking for a charger. And so for me, for my iPad, there's been plenty of times where I've used this. And I don't know if you know this, but this charger right here is a five watt charger. Now, you know, and what it does is it, 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 it is not meant to charge an iPad very well. Okay, it'll do it, but it's going to take twice as long twice as long to charge with this little doodad right here. 
Now this one right here, this does the job, all right? This one you plug in and it gets and it, and it goes and it charges and it's efficient and it's quick. And so, you know, just in, in looking at this and thinking of this, you know, when you look at these types of things, uh, you really, when, especially when considering my iPad, I have to consider the right way to engage the source of the power. Right. Because the power source doesn't change, but the way that I engage that power source changes and it, de and it determines how my device is charged and how it functions. And so for me this morning, as we were kind of leaning into this text and wrapping up kind of who we are in Christ, our identification, what that means and how we uh, recognize the source, that for us, the source doesn't change, but the way the source is engaged changes. And so for many of us this morning, as we sit in here, a lot of you, maybe it's not a problem of your connection to the source, but maybe it's the way that you're engaging that source. Maybe it's the way that you're engaging the source of the power that we are meant to have as believers. It's maybe it's not so much you're not a believer this morning. Maybe it's just in the way that you're engaging, engaging the source of your power as a Christian this morning. And I hope that this morning as we lean into the text that that's what we can begin to see. That's what we can lay out and that's how we can wrap up uh, this, this portion of Scripture as Paul kind of brings us to see how we connect to our identity to begin to move from empty to energized and how to move from faint to full. Because that's what God wants from us this morning. That's what God intends for His children to be. And we've talked about that from chapter 1 of Ephesians all the way to where we'll finish out this morning. That is God's intention, is for us to be full. It's for us to be full. And so if you could, open with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to read our verses this morning. And we're going to pray and ask God to just allow us to submit to what His Word has for us this morning. And allow it to challenge us in the ways that we need to be challenged and confronted in the ways we need to be confronted. And we would allow it to speak into our hearts this morning. So read with me this morning as we begin in Ephesians chapter 8. And we're going to read down to verse 21. Verse 8. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God may, might be now being made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that He has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you which is your glory. Verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father God, we just ask You to, to Lord, reveal the truths of this text to us. God, I pray that not a single one of us, Lord, would engage the text, Lord, or step away from this place this morning with anything less than walking in the fullness of God in Christ Jesus that You've called us to. 
God, I pray that you speak through, uh, through me. God, I pray that you just open the word to our, uh, open our eyes to the word. God, let us see what it is you have for us, God. Lord, we love you. God, all we do this morning is for your praise and glory, Lord, and we ask that you be glorified and seen above all else. God, we love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So church, this morning I want to focus on three points that's going to kind of help us engage our source this morning as we see who we are in Jesus and what that means to, to, to bask in the fullness of God and to be the Christian and to be able to live in that Christian life the way that God has intended for His people to walk. So that we're not shortchanging ourselves, and we're not shortchanging those around us in the way that we engage the source of our power. Okay, and so the first thing this morning that, that if you want to write this down or just take this into mind, the first thing this morning is that God's purpose for me is not based on my prestige. God's purpose for me is not based on my prestige. Prestige, P-R-E-S-T-I-G-E. Spell check had to fix it for me, so I'm just going to kind of give you that heads up as we go into it because I'm, I'm not the greatest speller in the world. So Paul wants the people of Ephesus to understand through his example that, to, that his calling and his identification in Christ and his purpose connected to that is not because of his accomplishments and accolades. Because we've talked about that over and over and over again. How prominent Paul was in the Jewish community. How much he had accomplished. How much he had done. On the high end and then on the low end being the one that stood up against the faith, stood up against the way as the book of Acts called it. The people who were following Jesus to the point where Paul was standing by as people were being killed for the faith. That Paul was uh, putting people in prison for that because they believed in Christ. And so now he is working with believers and for Christ. And so he is telling them, and I love these verses as we see here in verse 8. He says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints. I love over and over and over and over again in the text Paul's humility as he engages people and as he looks at the Lord. You know, and what we have to understand about this is this isn't Paul looking for pity or showing some sense of false humility, but he understands his unworthiness to do anything for God. He understands his place is not in his own strength. And that's where we have to be as we engage the source of our power, first understanding that me and myself, I am nothing. I have no power on my own to do anything separate from the power of God in my life. And it's through engaging the source of that power that I accomplish anything for him. And I mean anything. I mean being the husband that I should be, the employee that I should be, the church member, the Christian that I'm called to be, the friend that I'm called to be. I can't do those things adequately apart from the source of my power that is the very essence of that love, that agape that we've talked about, that purposeful, diligent, delighted love. Because Paul is telling us his identity is not in who he is as his position amongst the other people, but it is empowered by God's purpose. It is empowered by God's purpose. 2 Corinthians 3, 5-6, it says, Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. God has made us sufficient. God has made me sufficient to stand up here and even open the Bible and speak anything to you, not based off of who I am, but because of who God is. 
because of His truths, because what He's called us to. And it's the same thing in your life as God calls you to stand as the husband or wife or, or the friend or the brother or the mother of, your, of, of, of the people around you. God says you don't stand in that. You're not sufficient in your own to do that. And He's not condemning us in that. He's trying to empower us through that. That when we find our identity in Him, we stand in those things confident, but not in our confidence. But not in our confidence. And he, Paul continues and, and kind of communicates this idea in 1 Timothy 1, verses 13 through 15. He says, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorant in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. I love Paul's humility, and I pray that as we enter in and engage the source of our power, understanding that my purpose, for God's purpose for me is not based on my prestige, that I understand that, that I, am, I am as Paul, that we are as Paul, that we are, we are the sinners of the foremost. He's not saying that all the things that he does are just that rotten. He's just saying that in the eyes of God, any sin is weighty. Any sin separates us from God. And him not comparing himself to other people, he's comparing himself to a holy God. That I am a sinner, that I am broken, that I fall short. But that doesn't identify me. That my position in Christ identifies me and how I move forward and how I step out and do the things that God has called me to do and live the life that God's called me to live. This for us as Christians, if you're a believer here this morning, this mindset is what informs and propels everything we do as a Christian. It propels the way we engage people. It, it propels the way that we, as a husband, that I lead my family, and I'm a husband to my wife and a father to my kids. And it constantly, what this mindset does is it's not this self-defeating mindset where I'm just so rotten and dirty that I'm not worthy of anything. But it's this mindset that constantly brings us back to the source of our power. That if we can understand against the holy God where we fall short, that it's going to constantly bring us back to Him. It's going to constantly lead us back to His throne, constantly lean us back to the cross and understand Jesus came to save me. He came to do this for me. You know, and like I said, this is not a place of comparison. This keeps us from getting to a place of comparison or complacency. Because even though Paul says, I'm least among all the apostles or all the saints, he's not saying that, that I'm, I'm, I'm worse than them in the way that I act. This is just that mindset, this submission before a holy God to say that I am nothing on my own. And that, that it keeps us from, and we shouldn't be, looking at other people and say, well, I'm as good as them, or I'm not as bad as them, or anything like that. No, we don't compare ourselves to others. The Bible tells us in Philippians not to do anything from selfish ambition or conceit. That we're not doing things in comparison. I'm not looking to Sean to make sure, I just want to make sure I'm at least as good or better than Sean, or close to it. Now, Sean's not my measuring stick. Okay, brother, Garen's not my measuring stick. Mr. Craig, is, as great as he is, isn't my measuring stick. The holy God's my measuring stick. Holy God is where I, I put myself up to. This is where I line myself up. And you know what? I'm always going to fall short of that. But you know what it does? It doesn't push me away. It draws me to him closer because I know he's doing something with me in my life. Because 
As it continues down in verse 11, he says, This was according to the eternal purpose that has been revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is based on God's plan. When I am in him, I can know that it's what he intended. I can know that he has something beyond me that he's carrying me to. And that's because I understand that everything God's doing with me is according to his eternal purpose and his eternal plan. That it doesn't matter what I face and it doesn't matter my weakness because I'm not standing in my strength. I'm standing in his and he already has set his purpose. He has already set his plan. And that's why I can come and approach God and understand, God, you are holy. I am not. I am resting in you and depending on you. God, make me who you want me to be in your power and in your strength. Make me that way. And then in that understanding that place, it's not based on my prestige, but it's based on his purpose that we can stand in how verse 12 tells us. He says, in him, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. That in Christ, we have access to boldness. We have access to confidence. We have access to a holy God because he has invited us in. The result of our connection to Jesus is an open invitation to go before the God of the universe. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. When we are walking in Christ, we are not walking in our confidence. We are walking in the confidence of Christ. We are walking in the promises of God. We are walking in who He is. We are walking in who Christ is and what He has done. And so the first thing being that God's purpose for me is not based on my prestige. The second thing this morning, I pray that we can hear it, is that God's message is too great to hide away. That God's message is too great to hide away. That what He has in the midst of that purpose, in the midst of that power is a message that is not meant to stay with me. That message is meant to be shared. That message is meant to be communicated. That message is meant to be lived out. And that it's not enough to know the purpose, but we have a responsibility and a call as a believer. If we call ourselves a Christian, to walk in that purpose and to communicate that message. Picking up in verse 8 down to verse 14. It says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me, it was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. And so Paul says, he says that he, that he is called in, brought in, not because of his prestige, but because of God's purpose to communicate this message, to communicate, to, to preach. This word preach means to herald or proclaim a message, to make something known. And when something is, and, and what he says he's making known is the unsearchable riches of God. And when something is unsearchable, you can't find the end of it. Okay, when something is unsearchable, there's not enough searching you can do to make it completely searched out, if that makes any sense. There is not enough that you can search out to find every bit of what he's got for us. And he says this, that there is no completion, that you've never taken in all that he can offer, that there's never a place as a Christian that we should just stop and be like, ah, I've got it all figured out. 
I've, I've figured it all. I've, I've experienced it all. I've seen it all. I've done it all. Paul says that his riches are unsearchable, that they're never ending, that you never find the center of that Tootsie Pop, if that makes any sense. If you're old enough, maybe you'll understand that, that reference. But you never get to the meat of it because it's always more. There's always more. There's always more that it's offering. There's always more that he's drawing us into. Because there are things in our life that he's doing with us constantly. There's more that he's doing. You know, there are things that we receive instantly. The Bible says when we put our faith in Christ that we are instantly justified. That word justified, the justification means that we are made right before a holy God. That we accept the righteousness of Jesus and not our own righteousness, which is just our good works. That our, we're not resting in our work, but we're resting in the work of Jesus. And so that happens for us instantly. We don't earn that. But what God continues to do for us is this thing called sanctification where he's molding us and he's making us into who we will be. He's make, making us more into the image of Christ. He's molding us and pressing on us and working on us. And so this process is what God uses to grow us and give, up, give to us in this life. This process of sanctification and this message is what does that. And God has called us to share that. And it's not only from me as an individual. It's not only my responsibility to communicate this message as an individual, but he even says here, as it continues down in verse 10, he says, so that the church, uh, the, so, uh, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. So this isn't only an individual message, but this is a corporate message. That it's important for us as a church, even a local body as Cross Point Community Church or the, the, the worldwide church, that we have a responsibility of magnifying and mirroring the glory and the goodness and the wisdom of God through how we live and function as a church. We have a responsibility as a church to magnify and make known the wisdom of God. Because it's what Paul, we see here in verse 14, what he prays for. He says that for this reason I bow my knee before the Father. I pray for this. Therefore, for this reason I pray that the church, that individuals, can make this message known. Help bring light to the unsearchable riches of God. Help make this message known that, that it's not about the knowledge that we have, but it's about just who God is and sharing that and making that known to the people around us and in our families or in our circles or in our influences, all these, these, these places that we have, and we all have that. We all have that. You know, Paul's intimate plea uh, with God is that the church at Ephesus and the church at Universal would be this kind of church. That's what he's called us to. And the last point this morning is that God's love will never let me go or leave me alone. The third thing, that God's love will never let me go or leave me alone. Paul wants to make sure that they understand that not only are the riches of God endless and unsearchable, but his agape love for his people is immeasurable and never failing. That if you are in Christ, that God's agape love, his intentional, delighted love, is immeasurable and never failing. Picking up in verse 17, reading down to 21. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses the knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we all, that all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the, to be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so he tells us, he tells us that that, that God will never let us go, that God will never leave you alone. And he says that, that we, to find that, to have the knowledge of that is to be rooted and grounded in his love. You know, and as I just think about that, obviously the first uh, illustration, the first thing you can think about is, is a tree, right, being rooted and, and kind of filling out the ground around it. You know, and as I started to think, just thinking about the, uh, the redwood trees, you know, just these massive natural structures, this just beautiful work of God that, that can, can get up to, to 300 feet tall, that can live, they say, for over 2,000 years, and that they've they've grown and they've they've figured out how to how to how to function with the environments that they live in, where there's earthquakes and, and fires and these different things that they've continued to to adjust and adapt, and they've they've been able to live. And the Bible, I mean, and, and what it says here, not the Bible. The Bible doesn't talk about redwood trees, but what what we see here is that these trees they don't go very deep. It says that they only go about about five to ten feet deep, but they spread out about fifty feet wide in diameter. And so what they do is that these roots, they, they, they spread out and they not only connect to the ground and to the rock around it to offer a strong base, but they also interlock with the roots of the trees next to it. You know, and what these trees also do is that over time their bark gets thick and it gets so thick that it even acts as a, as a means to defend against fire. And how these trees continue to flourish and continue to grow and multiply is when these fires come, what it does is they'll survive and, and, and live through this. But what it does is these fires burn away the brush and, and the other weeds and things around it so that more can grow. So that more can happen. And so for us, as we try to apply that to our life, you know, as a Christian, as we are rooted, as we are we are attached to the foundational work of who God is and grounded in His good work. We begin to spread out, you know, like these trees, they interlock with each other. And so for us, we interlock with each other and we hold each other up and we connect with each other. And then for us, as we, uh, as we grow in our faith, as we're rooted and grounded in the Lord and as our skin gets thick and as we uh, get stronger, that when these fires of life come against us, then they won't take us down. But what they'll do is they'll burn away the things that are extra around us so that that we can continue to grow and prosper and navigate in the Lord. But it's only through being rooted and grounded in the love and in the knowledge of Christ that we can withstand those things that come against us and that at the end of them that we can continue to grow and move and multiply. You know, and continuing on, he says that, that, that he calls us to, to not only be rooted and rounded, but to comprehend to not only be rooted and, rooted and grounded, but to comprehend, to comprehend. And, you know, and there's a big difference, you know, when I, when I think of the word comprehend, I also think of the word apprehend. 
You know, and there's a difference between those words because the word apprehend means to grab a hold of something, but the word comprehend means to, to understand it, to know it. And what God has called us to is, is not just in where a lot of us live, is not just apprehending something, not just grabbing a hold of who God is or just, just liking the idea of it, but truly comprehending who He is and what He's done and what He's about and what He's called us to so that we can move and navigate through our life. He wants us to understand that. And then he continues on to really kind of broaden and, and show us this example or this explanation of what God's agape, delightful, intentional love looks like. He talks about the breadth, which is the width, the length, the height, and the depth. And for us, as we look at this, this is what, how we can see this this. this, this you know, example of what God's love, the vastness of God's love for his people. He says the width and this width for us, as you look at anything that has width to it, think of a, uh, of a lake or an ocean and you just look at the width and has just how much it covers, just the vastness. It looks like it's never ending. And so for us, when we think about the width of God or the breadth of God, we can know that it shows the coverage of the love of God, that his love is wide enough to cover sin. It's wide enough to cover shame. It's wide enough to cover guilt in, the, uh, the, in, in our circumstances. And when we doubt in that, when we doubt God, we are narrowing that love. When we doubt what God can do with us, we're narrowing that love. When God tells us, when Paul tells us here in his word that God's love is wide, that, it, that we, we, we can't even comprehend the width of his love. The second thing is the length, that God's love extends toward us before we knew us, before we knew him. God's love extended that far. And that God's love, it will extend beyond what we can fathom. That the length of God's love extends far beyond us, far beyond the moment we're in right now, far beyond the hurt, far beyond the sin, far beyond the circumstance that God's love extends far beyond that. The next thing is the height of God. So how high does God's love get, get us? The Bible tells us in Ephesians that his love brings us to the heavenly places. That God's love, when we are in Christ, brings us to the throne of God. We've already talked about that. But in Ephesians 2.6, he says, He has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in Jesus, as a believer, that we have the confidence to know that the height of God brings us all the way to the promised land. The place where we're intended to be. The Bible tells us that we are pilgrims on this earth. We are sojourners. That we are making our way towards a destination. That destination is in heaven with our Lord Jesus. And so he tells us that in his love, in Christ, that our destination, the height that he brings us to is the heavenly places. And we can rest in that confidence. We can walk in that confidence and understand and when we rest in the source of our power. The last thing he talks about is the depth. The depth of his love. Church, what we have to understand is that Jesus plunged himself to the deepest places for us. He went deeper than we could ever go. He went to the deepest pit of the deepest pit. Deeper than any pit we could ever dig for ourselves. Deeper than any deep pit that we find ourselves in. The Bible tells us He went deeper than that for us. Philippians 2, 7-8 says, But emptied, He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Son of God left his throne, put on broken flesh, degrading flesh for sinful man, died a criminal's death for our sake. The deepest, darkest place Christ has already been so that we don't have to go there. And what I love is whenever Paul describes kind of the same idea in Romans when he's talking about the things that, that, that can't separate us from that, he puts the comparison uh, in the same way in almost the same language. In Romans 8, 37 through 38, he says, No, uh, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor rulers or angels, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, there is nothing higher than the height of God's love, and there is nothing deeper than the depth of God's love. And so there's no place, no thing in this entire world or in creation or spiritual things or principalities or, or anything that can separate us when we are in Christ that can pull us away. There is nothing, and we are called to walk and understand that confidence to begin to comprehend the extent of God's love, whether it's His width or its height or its length or its depth. God has invited us in to understand that and walk in that confidence to know that it doesn't matter what happens, nothing removes us from the hand of our Lord. That in Him we have that security. Psalm 107.43 says, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. I'm going to ask Landon if he go ahead and come up. And, and as we begin to wrap up, I just want to kind of challenge us into a couple of areas this morning to just really kind of rest in. You know, as we consider these points and as we leave this place this morning, you know, this is just, this is just kind of a gathering point for us as believers to edify each other, to encourage each other, to worship. First off, most importantly, to worship the Lord God because He's worthy of it, but then to edify each other and to exalt each other and, and help each other, lean into each other. And it's through what we do here that we step out into the world around us and we evangelize the lost and dying world that we engage with every single day. And I believe that it's through these things that we've discussed this morning that if we can engage the source of our power in these ways, that we can begin to live in that power. And you know, in starting next week, we're going to begin kind of a trajectory of talking about what it looks like to walk and live as a believer in Christ, what that actively looks like in many different areas. We're going to talk about what it looks like in a marriage, what it looks like in parenting, what it looks like as a church member, what it looks like as, a, as the Bible would call it a bond servant or a worker, you know, as we're in our workforce, what it looks like as a Christian to, to, to walk in those things and what it as we're as a result of the source of our power. And so I hope that you'll continue to comment and lean in and, prep and prepare as we move forward in those things and allow God to challenge us in all the areas of our life. And so as we, as we finish this morning, as we kind of land the plane, I just want to ask you just to hear these things and consider them. You know, as we talk about, think about yourself. A lot of times when we're hearing preaching or different things, we want to think about other people or how this applies to them or this or that. You know, how, how does this 
fit into your life? How does this challenge you? How does this confront you where you are? And your situation and your circumstance? I'm going to share this quote with you from David Guzik is his name. Bible teacher, theologian. He shares this on this particular text. As we understand the love of God in our life, understanding the love of God, that the love of God is wide enough to include every person. Nothing makes you exempt from the Word of God this morning. That the Word of God, the, the love of God is wide enough to include every person. That the love of God is long enough to last through all eternity. That it is, there is no expiration date. That there is no point when the subscription runs out. That the love of God lasts for all eternity. That the love of God is deep enough to reach the worst sinner. And that the love of God is high enough to take us to heaven. And it's through understanding this, church. And this is where I want us to be. If we can understand this, the Bible tells us here at the end of that chapter, at the end of uh, verse 19, says that you would have this knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. God's desire for us is to be full, to be full, to not be faint, to be filled, to not be empty. That's what God wants from us, to walk in this life filled, understanding who He is by understanding that there is no place that I could be in Christ that separates me from Him. And so for us this morning, if you could consider these three things, this is what I want you to consider for your life. That you would see His grace in spite of your mess. That you would see His grace in spite of your mess. That we would share that news of that grace with others around us. And that the last thing, that we would live and walk in the confidence of His care. That that's where we would be. And I challenge you with those things. And I just pray just for a moment that you would close your eyes. And, and we're just going to have a quick moment where I'm just going to pray for us. And I pray to, I hope to challenge you in this. And that you would understand what God is calling us to. That God, if you're a believer this morning, God is calling you to His fullness. Fill me with your fullness, God, should be our prayer. God, fill me, show me, move me and motivate me. Let's pray this morning. Pray that God would challenge you in that. Father God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, I'm thankful that you challenge us day after day, week after week, God, and that your riches, your stories, God, your truths are unsearchable, God, that they're never ending, God, that we'll never find the bottom, that you just call us to more, to experience more and more and more of you. Lord, I pray that we would never be stagnant, God, I pray that we would not sit still. God, I pray that we would not walk in fear, that we would understand that you've called us to a purpose through your grace in the midst of our mess. God, that you've given us a message to make known to the masses around us, and that you've given us a confidence to walk in continually. Lord, and nothing can take us from that. Not ourselves, not our sin, not our struggles. God, I pray this morning that you would just make us a church that rallies around you. 
God, that we would walk as you walk. God, that we would live as you live. God, that we would, we would share the gospel. God, that we would invite people into this experience. God, to just be authentic, to just seek you passionately, God, and then just love people intentionally in everything that we do. God, that we would be the church that makes known the manifold wisdom of your work and your word. God, that we would live by example to bring light to your message, to bring light to who you are and what you intend to do. God, I pray you challenge every person in here. God, I pray that, that we would leave this place this morning in response to who you are. That we would properly engage the source of our power. God, we would not do anything less than that. God, I pray for the one here this morning that feels maybe they're standing on the outside of that. Lord, I pray this morning that they would understand that, that salvation comes when we understand how desperately we need you to save us from our sin. God, save us from our weaknesses. God, and it's, it's in you that we begin a process, God. It's not instant, but we begin a process of being molded into the people you have called us to be. God, that we would rest in your goodness, we would rest in that confidence, Lord, and allow you to make us and mold us into the individual. God, I pray for the confidence tonight, this morning for the one, Lord, that needs to put their faith in you. God, I pray that they would do that. God, I pray that they would believe in you, accept you, not just apprehend you this morning, but comprehend that you came to save the worst of sinners. And we all hold that title as the worst. God, but I'm thankful that you are the best, and that you are good, and that you bore a punishment on my behalf that I deserved. Pray, I, I, church, I, I, God, I pray that you make us the church you want us to be. Lord, help us be a light in this community. Help us to be a light in our families. Help us to be a light in our workplaces. God, I just pray that you just do something great with us. Lord, challenge us this morning. God, and I pray every step we take from this moment on would be a step of response into who you are and what you've called us to. God, I love you. God, I praise you, Lord, and I thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray.